Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Luke 1 verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, capital S, that's deity, that's Jesus, that's God, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end." Now, y'all know in the last couple of books, First and Second Kings, and what all we've been going through, and some parts of Samuel tie into this, that the Lord God has promised that there will be uh, a line of David on that throne forever, and here's the one that's going to hold it forever. So this ties in with what we've been doing from Old Testament, is that throne of David will be kept. So, we're in the time of year when everybody's thinking about Jesus Christ, and he's born, he's placed in the manger. And that's okay, because it's all biblical, and I'm glad of that, that it's a, it's a biblical story. Um, but the problem is that people typically don't let the story go past that. They want to keep them in that manger. They want to keep them in that barn, cuddly and cute, and they don't, they don't, that's as far as they go with it, as far as the Christmas thinking is. They don't want to think of that same child, that same cute, cuddly little child, being taken out of that manger and being beaten and being insulted and have nails being driven through his hands and cussed out and his beard plucked and crucified to death. You know, I want to take it a little past that. But rarely do people consider why he was placed in a manger in the first place. So that's what I like to think about when I think of this time of year. Okay, he's in a manger. Well, what does that mean? Is there something about this? Also, the majority of people who are celebrating this holiday, they're not saved, and they think they are. And that was me for the longest time. I'm speaking on behalf of me. I'm not pointing at anybody. I celebrated Christmas. I thought of Jesus in the manger. I was not saved, and I thought I was. So they have no idea what the birth of Jesus even means today. So I'm going to call today's message that Jesus is worthy of better than a manger, especially when you find out what mangers are for. <laughs> so let's get into it in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So now that was the custom, the Jewish custom of that day is that they, they would go back to their original town, 
to be registered. I live in Alvin. I've always lived in Alvin. Let's say I lived in Dallas for some reason, and that's where I ended up living. What I had to do to register is I would have to travel all the way back to Alvin to do the registration because it said they all had to go to their own city. It's where you were from. So this is going to get everybody out. Everybody's traveling. People are going here and going there because you can't register where you're at. There's no internet. Just register poof and we'll get it on record you had to go where you were from so the jews did not register in the city that they lived in they had to go to the town of their origin verse three all went to be registered everyone to his own city so you're put this have this put over your head we all got to make a road trip come on kids family let's go where are we going we got to go all the way back to alvin you know Nobody wants to do that. That's hardship. That interrupts your your week, probably your month, because travel was hard. Luke 2 and 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. See that covenant right there that the Lord said he would keep. He was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, okay, Bethlehem. Beth means house, and Lehem means bread. And so, what does Bethlehem mean? It means house of bread. Interesting. So, I got to consider the fact that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am what sustains life. And they had to go be registered in a town that was called house of bread. So it says that Joseph went to be registered with Mary. It says his betrothed wife. What is betrothed? Betrothed is like you're engaged. Like today, we can be engaged to somebody. You have this girlfriend. You decide you want to marry her. You put an engagement ring on her. You're now engaged. And sometimes engagements work. Sometimes they don't. And sometimes they get married. Sometimes they don't. But but a betrothal was a lot more serious than an engagement. It's almost... Not quite, but almost like you're already married. Betrothal, it was very, very serious. It's like you're already there. So they were betrothed, and Mary was not just betrothed, she was betrothed and expecting a child, it says. This is bad news in that culture, okay? The Lord God conceived in Mary, the son, Jesus, and she's not married, married, she's betrothed. She's expecting a child, and she's not full-blown married yet. Now, their culture in that day would kill her for this, because you're out messing around before you're married. I know that's a laughable matter today. Oh, everybody messes around today. Well, back then, you did not. And to be honest, you shouldn't do it today either. But their culture would have killed them for her being pregnant outside of being full-blown married. Now, consider that they were expecting a child... And Bethlehem was over 100 miles away. This means they both had to step outside of their private living quarters. Let's just stay in the house. Nobody will know. We'll ride out the betrothal. We'll get married. And well, all of a sudden, you got to get outside in front of everybody. And now you got to walk somewhere. Now you got to travel. You're out in the public eye. This is not the place you want to be when you're expecting during a betrothal. You see the danger that this puts Mary into. So you could say that they were forced out at the worst possible time. 
Can you imagine? She's expecting. Guess what? A census come out. Everybody, ha- we, we got to go all the way to Bethlehem. You imagine your reaction to that? Why now? How are we going to hide this? I mean, did she put on, I don't know, puffy clothes or something? How far along was she at the time? Don't know. Anybody finds out, they're going to go ballistic and they're going to kill her. This is not the time you want to be traveling. So, took a lot of faith to get out and go make this trip. And that not only would they make a long journey with the physical challenges that Mary had going on, but they also had to have faith that they wouldn't be killed by anybody along the way. Now, I know, you know, I always say that true Christianity ain't for wimps. There's a lot of tough guys out there. I'm tough. I'm macho. They ain't following the Lord at all. It takes a real man and a real woman to follow the Lord like this. These are tough guys here. So... Now, we've been studying lately how the Lord God always protects and keeps His covenants. When God promises to do something, He will do it. He said somebody's going to sit on that throne of David. We've already seen that Joseph was of the lineage of David. Mary had it too. They're going to be registered. Do you think the Lord God is going to let anyone touch this woman on that 100-mile journey? No, He's not. You see the trust they had to have in the Lord. Now, I want you to put this on yourself. The Lord God has called you to do something. You go, that's impossible. I don't want to do it. Well, do you trust in the Lord God to keep you for that that he called you to do? Just trust him and just go for it. That's what they're doing. They had to get rolling. Now, he's going to keep Mary and Joseph well covered because the Lord said in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, He said, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So it says Bethlehem, Ephrathah. What is that? We know what Bethlehem means. It means house of bread. Ephrathah means fruitful. It means fruitful. So the Lord spoke prophetically ahead of time when he said, fruitful house of bread. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, a fruitful house of bread. Bethlehem is the city that would produce the eternally existent Messiah. The Lord God said here in this verse that from Bethlehem is going to come the Messiah. Well, guess what? Joseph and Mary aren't in Bethlehem. So here comes the census to make them go there. Isn't that incredible? So let's look at Joseph and Mary's situation situation here. Verse 4 says they were in Nazareth. That is not the right city from where the Lord said the Messiah would come from. So I I think what I'm getting at is when I see the urgency of time here, suddenly there's the census. We all got to hit the road. We got to get running somewhere back to Bethlehem. Mary's expecting time's ticking down on her to deliver to get them out of the house for this prophecy to come true. If she had Jesus in Nazareth, that's not going to work to make this prophecy work. Something had to get them to Bethlehem. Something big had to come up to get them to leave and go all the way over to Bethlehem in time for the prophecy to become tr- to, to come true. What could do this? A census. The census came up to move them, to get them to fruitful Bethlehem. 
So that would get the whole society traveling too. Remember, everybody else is going to be moving around as well. There's going to be a lot of people having to go back to their original city. So not only would this census command get Joseph and Mary on the road traveling, but it would also have everybody else traveling around too. And they would be so busy with their own travels that you would think, who would have the time to notice the problem that Joseph and Mary had with their marital status? Now, if everybody got to just stay at home and here comes Joseph and Mary, well, now you got time to notice. Now everybody's busy. Everybody's moving around. God's going to take them right through that journey, through busy society. Who's going to see? I think it's great when you have hard times hit, when in chaos, everything's going crazy, rather than freak out and go, oh my gosh, what's going on? Maybe that's the Lord giving you cover to move you where he told you to go. So you see the whole world going nuts out there? Okay, don't worry about it. It's chaos, I know. But what has the Lord told you to do? That chaos could be giving you your cover so that all the distraction going on lets you go and get right under the nose of where God has put you so that his word can come true through you. That's what I see in this. So let's consider that the census was used by the government for taxation. They, they ordered a census. We've got to register everybody because we've got to tax everybody to keep up with the population. So what you have here is control and slavery. But what man intended to use for slavery, God used the census for freedom. Man used this to control. God used the same thing to free. That's what I find amazing about how God works here. Jesus was sent here to save us all from our sin. That's our freedom. But he was moved to Bethlehem because of a controlling census. Again, I'm trying to give you a little bit of a modern day snapshot to look at what's going on out there in the world. And as much as you hate it, they're coming after our money. They're coming after our guns. They're coming after my right to this and my ability to do that. And they're trying to control us and knock us all down. Well, wait a minute. You think maybe God has a bigger picture in this somewhere? I think he does. And I think we need to be in tune and listen to what God tells us about what's going on out there so that we can do our part under the radar, just like Joseph and Mary's doing. I want you to recognize that even in times of oppression, God always has a plan. I wake up every morning going, God, you have a plan. What is it? What do you want me to do today? So prophecy had been activated to move Joseph and Mary. They had God's protection upon them. They knew this. And so they obeyed the Lord's will to hit the road at what seems to be the absolute worst possible time. You got to be kidding me. We got to go 100 miles while I'm expecting. Are you for real? I'm going to be dead before I get there. Somebody's going to kill me if I don't tire out first. But God's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. They had to maintain their composure maintain their faith toughen up we got god let's trust him let's get out there mount up the donkey whatever and let's just go and you know sometimes the lord will call you to do that he called me to full-time ministry it looks scary to me but he told me to do it so let's just go god's gonna tell you to make a move sometime just trust him in that okay whenever hard times push on us just stay faithful and remember that god knows what he's doing luke 2 and 6 So it was that while they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. 
So here's the great king that's supposed to sit on the throne of David, the king of a whole nation at that time, the superpower. He was, he, the great king was foretold a long time ago to sit on that throne. All of Israel had been wanting this king to show up because when he shows up, he's going to make everything better. He's going to fix everything. And he's just, they're just wanting him to be here. Remember, we read he will be called great. He will be the son of the highest to reign over an eternal kingdom. And this great king was laid down in a manger. He was put in a manger. That ought to floor you right there. A manger. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever worked on a ranch or not before. I, I did. I grew up working on my family ranch in the city of Palacios. I've had to clean out some filthy animal troughs. Because, you know, animals ain't clean. They got snot and, and spit and all that, you know, coming out and dirty. You know, they've been eating grass and they pull up dirt and, oh, look, he put something in the trough. They stick their head in there and they go all in it. It's dirty. It's a mess. And the king of kings that Israel had long waited for gets put in that. Do you see the picture here? That's for animals. Would you stick your face in your dog's dish? I mean, come on. You know, I have traveled the world. I've stayed in some, I guess you would call it rather low-end lodgings before. <laughs> some that I don't even know if you would call it a lodging. My first mission trip was rough. I've stayed in hotels in Africa. They had sandbags and soldiers out front with automatic weapons guarding the place because it was a heavy oil industry and people would always try to steal things and rob important people. So if you give them a nice place to stay, you got to have this military surround it. We pulled up and I was like, whoa, what is all this? You know, so we're staying in this hotel and the lights went out like every 15 minutes. And when they went out, it was pitch black. Couldn't see anything. Oh, I, I slept in a palm leaf hut with dirt floors off the coast of Panama. Uh, I woke up next to a giant spider. I think it was like a it was like a five inch wide or so spider, and I stomped his guts out because I didn't feel good with that spider there. But how many more are there? <laughs> the lights would go out. You're you're staring up at a hut, and there's if the wind blew and shook it, things would fall on you from that were living up in the top of the hut, and sometimes the things that fell on you would crawl off, and you don't I don't know you know it's but that was a hammock I was in in there I was off the floor you know so. But I ain't never had to lay down in anything as filthy as the feeding trough for an animal, a manger. I've never had to lay down in that. As a matter of fact, if I had seen one, I probably wouldn't do it. Because I've cleaned them out. And I, I know what they look like at times. Um, but here in our story... This is Jesus, the foretold eternal king that Israel long waited for. And he was put in a manger. Moms, you got your kid. I guess if that's all you had and it was cold outside, you'd have to. But to put him in a manger? There was no grand palace for this eternal king of all creation. There was no royal uh, attendants seeing to his every need. There was no royal military soldiers attending to his protection. It was just them in a barn, in a manger. There was no grand welcome ceremony. Me and Dove went to Israel. They, they all got, I mean, we went to Africa. The Africans, uh, they got out there and did this huge welcome ceremony. And they played music and they marched and they had their uniforms. It was just me and Dove. 
They had none of that for Jesus. None of it. Put him in a manger. And that was typically what kings had when a king showed up, is you would announce it and have all this celebration. Y'all remember, we just recently read about King Joash was anointed, and everybody partied, and it was a big deal. Jesus got none of this. Here, put him in a manger. And this is what I really think about when I think of this time of year. He was in a manger. It doesn't seem so cuddly cute anymore, does it? I hate to ruin your image of this, but this is what it is. It was just the three of them, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, outside in a barn with the animals. They're probably breathing in the smell of dung, okay? I remember going in the barn one time. Grandpa, we had to duck down to get through the door. And Grandpa said, I remember when we didn't have to duck down to come in here. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. He said, shovel this whole place out. The whole barn? Yep. Had to shovel out the whole barn four feet down. It was dung. That's all the bottom of a barn is. We shoveled it by hand, and we put it in a trailer. Some guy bought it and used it for fertilizer. But that's what it's like in a barn. So, Jesus laid in a feeding trough where animals slobbered, licked, and ate from. And when we read this, doesn't the question hit you of why? Why? This is the Lord God. He could have been anywhere he wanted. He could have been in a solid gold crib in a, in a palace the size of Alvin. Why, th- why this is what I want to know. I'll show you why. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That's why. You want God to lift you up? Then stop walking with your chest out like you're better than everybody else. You want God to lift you up? You get low. Get down low, and then he will lift you up. Now, I think this is what most people miss about the manger story here. They love to think about Jesus, the child in the manger, but they don't understand what the manger means. This is day one. He just showed up, and he's already being put down. And this was God's will for him to be put down like this. Day one. People don't understand the manger. The manger means humility. The manger means lowliness. It means that everybody else got treated better than he was. I worked at a company where I met Anna, and money was my God at that time. Money was all about making money. And I hadn't had a raise in I don't know how many several years. And one day they had a sweeping raise that went across the whole company and everybody got a raise except me. I was the only one that didn't. The Lord was trying to make me get low. I wouldn't get low, so he was pushing me. Even Anna got a raise. Ask her. I was mad. I was hot. (laughs) But I needed to learn humility. Everybody else was treated better than Jesus was. And friends, Jesus is worthy of better than this. He's worthy of better than a manger by a long shot. So why was he placed in the manger? Because the Lord's character is one of humility. He's not, I'm God, look at me. He's I'm God. He came down and got low for us so that we could be saved. The Lord's character is one of humility, that Jesus was humble under the mighty hand of God so that God would lift him up right away, right away. No, it says in due time. We read that, get low so that the Lord can lift you in due time, in his due time. 
Everybody today, they want to be lifted now. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.